Kaboom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here, and today's special. And every Monday special because Mondays are audio masterclass days. So whether you're listening to this on a Monday or a Wednesday or February 29th, that'd be pretty weird if you're listening to this on February 29th, then I have to say this is a killer episode because this audio masterclass is about how to buy a business without investing your own cash. I'm not going to lie. I have a page full of notes. I actually just got done my chat with Carl, who is the featured guest today, and it was incredible. We dive into how to buy a business, how to do it without investing your own cash. We also even talk about the flip side, about how to sell your business and prepare your business to sell. There are some amazing stats that Carl kicks out that I make him repeat like six times kind of awkwardly, so you'll get to hear that as well. But um, who is this Carl guy, you ask? Well, he's an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He is a corporate deal maker who has worked on transactions worth over $50 billion, which includes over 250 acquisitions and sales. And together with more than 100 capital fundraising projects, this guy is a expert in what he does. There's just simply no one better when it comes to buying and financing small business acquisitions. And he coaches more than 1,000 entrepreneurs all over the world on how to buy small businesses rather than starting new ones. So let's thank our sponsor and then get to the show. Fire Nation, it's time to take control over your income. To do that, you need to have the skills to solve a serious problem in the marketplace, like helping businesses acquire more customers. That is a skill that most companies don't know how to do profitably because they don't teach it in schools. My friend Billy Jean is a master when it comes to acquiring customers for all sorts of businesses and has charged up to $30,000 a month to provide this simple but not easy service. To learn how you can do this too, visit Watch billysvideo.com to access his free training today. Carl, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people might not know. Hey, what's up, Fire Nation? So really good to be uh, to be on the show, GLD. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So I think one, one of the one of the coolest things about me is is you know how I got started, you know, doing what I do, which is is buying buying businesses growing them and then selling them without me investing you know, any of my own personal money. So so the classic LBO leveraged buyout model. And whilst I grew up on Wall Street and did lots and lots of mega deals for, for big corporates, uh, I decided to do what I do now, buying my own things uh, 10 years ago. I was in Moscow closing a very big, very boring deal for, uh, for a large corporate. And my wife went into labor 2,000 miles away back in the UK so I had to run out of the hotel uh, in the middle of Moscow, flag down a cab, which is not the easiest thing to do, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and I managed to get back to the UK, to the hospital, about five minutes before my, my son popped out. So uh, out came Josh. He's just turned 10. That's 10 years ago. And I decided there and then that you know I didn't want to work for anybody else anymore. Um, I wanted to do my own thing and become an entrepreneur. I love that leaving corporate story in Fire Nation. I definitely would challenge you to think about your leaving corporate story if you have one right now. And if you don't, well, maybe it's on the plan at that leaving corporate story. So Carl, thanks for sharing yours. I mean, five minutes before your son is born. That was incredible. And as I mentioned in the intro, Fire Nation, we have a dope, a value bomb drop in audio masterclass, which is called 
how to buy a business without investing your own cash. And let's be honest, sometimes we don't have cash to buy a business, so to speak, or sometimes maybe we don't want to use the cash that we have. We want to leverage and scale other things. And that's why I'm fired up to bring Carl on the show today. So Carl, why don't you maybe give us just a real quick overview about what this masterclass is going to be about, just kind of hook up, hook the listeners, so to speak, and then we'll dive into uh, some of the main points. Sure. So what's, uh, what's very common and very widely understood, uh, certainly in North America, is the whole concept of no cash down real estate investing. You know, everybody gets that. There's a whole bunch of people doing it, a whole bunch of people coaching it. What people don't necessarily comprehend as well is that you can do exactly the same thing, though, with businesses. So you can buy a business, invest in a business, without you having to commit any of your own personal capital, whether you've got that capital to invest or, or you haven't. So that's what my my core expertise is. That's my skill set. That's what I've been doing you know, for 26 years. I've been doing it on my own for the last 10. And my, my kind of, my, my big mantra in this world is I, I, I don't believe that people should go out and start a business. I believe that it's so much easier, it's so much quicker, and it's far less riskier to actually go and acquire a business that somebody else has built but no longer wants to own, and you can buy that business, invest in that business using the business's own resources. So, so that that's my area of expertise, and you know that's what I'd like to talk about today. So, a lot of people are saying, "Well, John, like you founded your business. A lot of people you have on your show have founded their business. You know, it's their vision, it's their show. You know, they're the founder, they're the CEO, they're the whole nine yards." But what is the value of actually buying a business opposed to doing like what I did of just founding one? Yeah, so there's a couple of points to that. So the, the first point is, and I'll quote Michael Gerber, who's the author of The E-Myth. It's the greatest business book so good. that I've ever read. You know, Michael's worked with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of entrepreneurs and small business owners you know, in his career. And his statistics tell us that 96% of all businesses – that startup will fail inside of 10 years and 50% of them, five zero, will fail inside of the first 12 months. And, and it's not surprising when you think about it. You know, when you go into business on your own, and you know, I admire you, you know, JLD, that you know, you're one of the four percent that, that that have made it happen. But when when most people go into business, they have no cash, no credit, no employees, no premises, no equipment, no customers, yeah. products and services to sell. And and the grind. The physical, financial, emotional grind of getting a brand new business off the ground um, for me is just it's, it's just too much. It, it's so much easier to go and find a business uh, that somebody's built and you know and is prospering, but for whatever reason they don't want to own it anymore. So, and, and America's kind of gripped by this huge epidemic um, of the retiring baby boomers. So, did you know that there's over 2.4 million businesses for sale today? In North America alone. Wow. And, and according to Forbes, there are 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day, and 19% of them own a small business. And only one in 13 of those businesses will sell in the next 12 months. 
Okay, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here because I'm just personally curious. So name two reasons you think it's a red flag if we find out people are selling their businesses for reason X and reason Y. But then on the flip side, name two reasons that you think is a good reason for people to sell businesses so it's not a red flag if we come across that type of opportunity. Yeah, so so two reasons why people will try to sell a business then it's a red flag is number one, they're, they're entrepreneurs, they've gone through the first couple of years of growing a business, they don't have what it takes to take it up to the next level. So they want to cash out and let somebody else take it to that next level. Uh, that's a very plausible reason. You see a lot of that in like the Amazon SBA space. Um, you know, entrepreneurs get businesses up and running and then they cash out and move on to something else. You know, that's great. I applaud that. Those aren't the types of deals that, that I would do. Other people will try and sell a business because it's failed. Um, and in a lot of cases, you can buy that business for a dollar, but you're inheriting you know, all the problems uh, that that business currently has. So again- and Are you potentially also acquiring the debt? You are, yeah. So, but those are the types of deals that, you know, that I don't want to do. I, I want to buy a business that's a good business um, that's going to carry on trading and operating, you know, without me being in that business every day. So, you know, I, I own 17 different businesses all around the world from, from LA to Brisbane, Australia, and all the places in between, you know, I, I don't work in any of my businesses. So I want to buy good businesses that can function without me. And I've, and I've got good managers inside of them day to day that are kind of just trading those daily operations. But going back to the second part of your question, um, there's many, many reasons why owner managers want to sell good businesses. The number one reason is retirement. Uh, as we talked about earlier with, with the baby boomers, you know, we've got this unprecedented wave of, of, of people trying to exit their businesses because they want to retire. They could be sick. They could be dying in some cases. They're bored, frustrated, burnt out, or just run out of ideas. So there comes a natural evolution in, in someone's business ownership that for all those reasons, you know, they want to come out of their business. It, it, it could be, you know, still a very, very profitable business, but they just don't have it in them to carry on running that business for another two, five or 10 years, depending on, on how old they are. So for me, those are those are my perfect deals. Those are the deals that, that I, I absolutely love to do. And I, I coach my 1200 strong band of global entrepreneurs on how to find those deals and how to negotiate and structure these no cash down business transactions. So Fire Nation, even if you're listening to this right now and you're like, well, I'm actually running my own business and I'm kind of happy doing that. I don't want to like give it all up and, and maybe buy and acquire another business. You know, one kind of food for thought that I would toss in here is, you know, you can look at acquiring a business that's going to improve your current business. So it kind of would be like a strap on. So if you're doing a business in X and then you come across this awesome business opportunity, you know, because this person's retiring like a baby boomer and this business does Y, but it complements each other so well, that can be a huge opportunity, you know, like Captain Planet with our powers combined, you can make a better business. So it's not like you're stopping your current business or giving it up. You could look at it as, hey, I'm going to improve my overall business by acquiring and adding this to that. So have you seen some scenarios of that, Carl? Absolutely. So now, now we're really starting to have a, a wonderful conversation. And then a lot of the people that, that I coach um, in, in my system are doing exactly that because, uh, but they've got different kind of pain points. So 
So if you look at the two types of, of, uh, of people that, that I work with, you know, point one is they could be a frustrated employee that wants to own their own business but doesn't want to start one. And then the second you know, avatar, the second example is what you've just described. So it, it's the CEO or it's the owner of an existing small business. And they're struggling to grow their top line revenue. They're struggling to generate increased cash flow. And they're struggling to find and retain high quality talent to bring into the business. If you go out and you acquire another business to bolt in or tuck into what you've already got, you're solving all three of those problems. So number one, when you're buying an existing business uh, into what you've already got, that business is going to have products and services and customers that are complementary to, to what you've got. So for example, let's say that you owned a PR business, a PR agency, and you went and acquired a social media marketing agency that's going to have different sets of customers and different product offerings. So you can cross-sell and cross-promote the PR services to the web customers and vice versa because they, they both buy up all these services from, from other people. What also happens when you combine these businesses together is you can eradicate lots of duplicate costs, so premises, other overheads, employees, um, all those different things. So there are a lot of cost synergies that come about from doing these combination deals. And those cost synergies just drop to the bottom line, make the profits and the cash flows of the combined entity much stronger. And then thirdly, when you're bolting on another business, you're getting the employees, the good employees that are coming along with the journey. So a lot of the people that, that I'm coaching that they're buying these extra businesses for those three reasons. And what they're finding is one of their frustrations is that they, that they don't want to be the manager of their business anymore. They want to be more of the kind of owner investor. So by bolting on another business, they've got high quality managers that they're bringing in that can run that combined operation for them. I guess the main question I would have kind of moving forward now, because this is all starting to come together and I can see it forming. I can see all the different reasons for acquiring a business or buying a business. I can see all the reasons, you know, that it really makes a lot of sense for a lot of different businesses and the criteria. But where? Like, where can you actually find these opportunities? I mean, personally, I feel like I'm pretty plugged into the scene, but I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, so th there's multiple ways of originating deals. The biggest mistake that most business buyers um, come across is they just go to brokers. So they go to you know an online broker like a bizbuysell.com. That's probably the largest online broker in the states. Or they you know they go to a SunGuard or, or one of those other broker franchises, and they're just kind of looking at the deals that they've got listed. Some of those deals can can be very good, but but most of them you know they're not great deals. But the the best way to find deals, and I, I've been doing this for this is my twenty sixth year of doing this. The best way to find deals is is networking. So you're networking with your your personal network, but we're also you know we do a lot of work through leveraging LinkedIn, leveraging Facebook leveraging a lot of online groups and forums. You know, there's so much activity online in, in terms of deal-making and buying businesses, whether that's specific to a certain industry or a location. So the vast majority of the deal flow that, that certainly is coming across my desk because I'm, I'm still doing deals. I'm buying four businesses at the moment. Wow. All those deals uh, have come through not only my own network, but networks that I'm now plugged into uh, 
pretty much using social media. And, what, and what's interesting is, you know, 26 years ago, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have LinkedIn. You, you know, we didn't really have a functional internet. Uh, so all of these tools, they're now enabling this uh, this, this notion of, of going out and finding businesses um, that, that you can buy without spending your own capital. Fire Nation, it's so true, the quote, that your net work is your net worth. I mean, really think about that and always be looking to improve your net work. I mean, why do I end every single EOFire episode with you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Because you are. That's your network. That's your mastermind. Those are your people. But what are people are listening, listening right now, Carl, and they're saying to themselves, well, I don't have the kind of network that would allow me to have some opportunities. I mean, where do they start? Like, what's another um, avenue of approach? Yeah. So I just want to kind of double down on, on the networking piece um, again, just because it's so lucrative. Even if you don't have a network, you know, here's how you can quickly build one in a matter of days that's super, super primed for you to get deal flow. So one of the other interesting statistics is that 79% of all small business owners that actually sell their business never actually list it through a broker. And one of the reasons for that is when you sell through a broker, um, it's pretty easy these days to find out exactly who that business is before you sign the NDA and you, you, know, you get all the particulars about the deal. So the kind of whole world knows that you're for sale and your employees get anxious, your customers get anxious, and competitors can swoop in and you know, get all the juicy information you know, about your business and potentially harm you in the market. So for that reason, most business owners you know, won't list with a broker and it's also you know, very expensive. So what most small business owners do is they tell four people. So if you own a business and you're 62 and you've decided it's time for you to retire, here's the four people that you're going to tell. Number one, you're going to tell your spouse. So we're not going to network with, with the spouse. But then you're going to tell your CPA, you're going to tell your local attorney, and you're going to tell your bank or another financier that's uh, invested in your deal. So the quickest way, Financial, to go and build a very, very quick, very profitable network that can give you great deal flow is go and network with people in your local area, in CPAs, attorneys, and financial services providers, and you will get unbelievable deal flow. Wow, Fire Nation, it's right in your neighborhood. I mean, there's the CPAs, there's the lawyers, there's the financial experts. I mean, it's right there. Just go out, let the word be known. This is something that you're interested in. I mean, that can really be the next step for you. But when it really comes down to it, Carl, and this is where I'm fascinated because I am a numbers guy. So how can you actually evaluate whether a business is worth buying? I mean, what numbers actually matter when you're trying to say if this business, you know, is actually actually a financial, you know, financially stable business that would make sense for you for any number of factors. How do you determine that? Yeah. So you've got to look at each deal in and of itself, and you've got to look at it both quantitatively. So tapping into the financials, and you've also got to look at it qualitatively. So most of the deals that I do, most of the businesses that I buy, I start first of all with with a qualitative stuff. And the sort of deals that I love are deals where when I'm sat with with an owner, either in person or on Skype, um, the first thing they always tell me is that uh, they don't do any marketing. 
So I said to them, you know, how, how, how do you market? You know, what's your marketing strategy? How do you get customers? How do you get leads? And they say, this is the great thing about our business, call. We don't have to do any marketing. It's all word of mouth and it's all repeat customers. And I love those deals because I know that, you know, that's the bread and butter revenue and earnings that's coming into the business. But as soon as I take over and I put in some real world marketing systems, we improve the website, we start leveraging social media, we start to get affiliates and other partners involved, then all of a sudden, you know, the business can just take off from the existing cost base that you've got inside of the business. So so for me, I'm looking for businesses that, you know, have got great potential that the owner just hasn't exploited, you know, for the reasons I mentioned before, that they just run out of steam, they run out of ideas, you know, they're happy, you know, for the new buyer to take that business on the next stage of the journey. And, and then really from a financial perspective, it's really, really straightforward. You know, you're looking for businesses that potentially have, have got recurring revenues. You're looking for businesses that, that have got, you know, pretty solid balance sheets. You know, they've got good assets in the business that we can use for financing. Uh, they've got positive cash flow. Um, and sometimes the business might have some debt um, that's been inherited you know, by the existing owner, you know, and that's fine, you know, as long as the business is generating more cash flow than what the business needs to survive, then it's a pretty simple analysis. And, and, and yeah, once we've made an offer and we've lined up the financing, then, you know, we do go through a slightly more detailed process of due diligence. So we'll, we'll hire a, a CPA on a contingent fee basis just to kind of go through and, and really dot the I's and cross the T's on, on all of the numbers. But, but looking at deals, it's it's a lot like a sales funnel. You know, you're throwing opportunities into the top, and you're you're kind of filtering them down to the handful of deals that you know really make sense qualitatively, quantitatively, and then more importantly, which we haven't talked about yet, is doing deals that you know really fit your requirements as the buyer. You know, because there's so many deals out there for you to go and target. It's really important that that you you know you pick and choose and and you find the deals that you know really you know, kind of resonate with you. If you're an individual, it's, it's buying a business that's in a sector that you understand, it's in a sector that you're passionate about, or if you own a business already and you want to bolt something into that, it's making sure that, you know, there are some synergies, you know, there's a complementary nature of putting those two deals together, a bit like the PR business merging or acquiring the kind of web design business, the social media business. You know, there are synergies and complementary facets to bringing those deals together. I like the analogy, Carl, of how it's like a sales funnel where you start with a lot of potential deals and at the end, there's only going to be a few that make sense for you. And Fire Nation, just to run through some things that Carl talked about, recurring revenues, really important. A solid balance sheet, very important. Assets, like what kind of assets does that business have? Do they have a positive cash flow? And debt, like don't be afraid by debt. Don't run away from debt. If it's good debt and make sure you hire a CPA to dig a little deeper especially maybe in that area of debt, but also to make sure all the other numbers make sense. So Fire Nation, I hope you can see that you know the, the thought of buying a business, which at the start of this masterclass might have seemed very daunting and unattainable because you, know, you don't have millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Um, 
you know, I hope you're starting to seem a little more reachable and a little more possible for you. And then maybe people thinking of how adding a business to your existing business could be a huge value. Because again, we're talking about how to buy a business without investing your own cash. And that is really where we're going to be getting into some cool specifics when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Fire Nation, if you don't ever want to worry about your income, you need to acquire skills that solve a serious problem in the marketplace. Right now, there's a major problem every business in the world has, acquiring more customers. This is a skill that these companies will never learn on their own because they're too focused on the gazillion other things going on in their business. This is where you come in. You can acquire the skill set necessary to give the gift of new customers to these businesses through paid ads. It isn't an easy skill to acquire, and that's exactly why it's so valuable. Once you take the time and put in the effort to learn this skill, your craft becomes instantly desirable, and you can command premium dollars in exchange for your time and effort. The best part is, you can start learning how to do this today for free. My friend Billy Jean is a master when it comes to acquiring customers, and he has a free training that will teach you exactly how to do it in any niche. Visit watchbillysvideo.com to access his free training today. That's watchbillysvideo.com in order to acquire a skill set no one can ever take away from you. Ignite. So Carl, we're back and I feel like a lot of people when it comes to buying a business think that it's all about the numbers. And you know, we went through at the end uh, right before the break, the end of the first segment, some numbers and some really important numbers to look into and, and numbers are important, but there's also a lot of psychology that goes into this as well. So kind of talk to us about that psychology versus the numbers and how that balances out. Yeah, I'm so glad that you, you brought that up. You know, this is one of the you know, the big misconceptions. And, you know, we're talking here about buying businesses between, you know, one and $5 million in annual revenues. You know, that's the bulk of the market. That's the bulk of the businesses that, that both exist in the world and are for sale, you know, in, in the world today. But what's interesting is when, when you're buying a billion dollar business, you know, which I've done when I was at HP and at Bank of America, I've done loads and loads of those deals, hundreds of them. When you're doing those monster deals, those deals are 90% financial engineering and 10% psychology. When you're buying a small business from a baby boomer that's burnt out and wants to retire, then it's kind of the opposite. It's really 90% psychology and 10% numbers. Because if you really delve into the mindset of, of, of a baby boomer, and, and it might not, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a 62-year-old person in Pennsylvania that wants to retire and, and hand their business off. This could be, um, you know, this this could be a young entrepreneur that's just completely um, burnt out. There's a great story about three or four years ago of, of, of a great entrepreneur in the UK called Simon Cohen. He owned a, a, a PR company in London. Um, he built it up, was a seven-figure business, and, you know, he'd missed his family, he'd not spent enough time with his wife, and he came home one day and just said, you know what, I'm done, I just can't do this anymore. And he launched a national campaign to give his business away to what he called a safe pair of hands. And, and I massively latched onto this. And that's when I decided that, you know, I would not only do these deals myself, I've been doing these deals for many, many years, but I would coach entrepreneurs on, on how to do this, how to find the, you know, the millions of Simon Cohen's out there, young and old, that had just had enough. And 
cared more about the legacy of their business and the protectionism of their employees and the care and feeding of their customers. They care more about those things than they do about the cold, hard cash that one typically would get when, when they sell their business. And the first thing I decided to do is, is I did a survey. So I spent a lot of money on this and I, I surveyed over 2,000 business owners that had sold their business in the previous few years. I did this thing about 2012, 2013, and the results were staggering. 78% of those people told me that when they sold their business, cash at closing was not their primary concern. Their primary concern was they wanted a trusted, safe pair of hands that would take their business on, push it to the next level, and protect the brand, the legacy, the heritage, the culture, the employees, and the customers inside of that business. Fire Nation, we have to remember that these business owners, I mean, some of them have put 30, 40, 50 years of their lives into growing this business, and they're proud, rightfully so, of the people they employ, of the business they've created, of the products or the services that these businesses actually provide, of the service that it does, you know, to the world. I mean, that is something to remember that a lot of times, you know, we don't think about on the other side of that equation. And, you know, that number to me is staggering. 78% of business owners said cash was not the priority. And Fire Nation, that's why if you can come across as a type of buyer, as a type of person who's going to take over that business and continue its legacy and continue to grow, you could absolutely win out over people that are bidding a much higher rate if that business owner knows for sure that you are going to do what they want you to do and grow that legacy. So those are just some really huge things and important things to really note on. And I want to kind of flip the script, Carl, about actually selling your business. But before we talk about that, um, is there anything you kind of want to add to this section? Because I think this is really important for people to think about when they're actually going into a buying decision. Yeah. So so the bit we just talked about, about the legacy and, and, and the heritage of the business, that that is, I would say, the the difference that makes the difference. It's the single kind of nucleus of, of, of how this entire thing works. And I can relate to this both for the first business deal that I did privately back in 2008 and the last one that I closed about two and a half weeks ago over in Los Angeles. So both of those businesses uh, were retirement sales. Uh, the LA deal's a media business um, that's doing seven figures in revenue. Um, I, I bought that business for less than $20,000 down, uh, and that money came out of the assets that are in the business already. But the, the better story is, is the first deal I ever did. Um, it was a transportation company in, in the United Kingdom. So this was back in 2008. My, my son um, had been born. I, I decided to take a year off. Uh, I lasted about three weeks. I just got my brain turned to mush. I needed to, to go out and, and, and do deals. And initially, I started off as a broker. So it wasn't my intention to go and buy my own businesses. My intention was to go and broker deals for sellers. So I got my first mandate. It was a transport company. I sat down with the two brothers, you know, Colin and Alan. Um, and they said to me, look, you know, we want $4 million for this business. Can you go out and find us a buyer? So I did my work. I, uh, I figured out who are the larger companies in the area. 
that, that this would make a great kind of Bolton acquisition. Uh, I wrote to them. I sent them copies of the financials, solicited offers, and, and we, you know, we got a $4.7 million offer for this business, and it was great. Everyone was happy. I would have made a $250,000 fee as the broker, and it was the night before the closing. So it was a Thursday night, and it's a cold, rainy night, and, and I, I got the phone call from, from Colin, one of the owners of the business, and he was in tears. And this, this was a 250-pound, six-foot-five, you know, big guy, and he was crying floods of tears. I said, what's the matter? He said, we've pulled the deal. And I'm like, no, you know, i got a quarter of a million dollars freaking riding on this. You can't pull the deal. He said, look, can you come down? Come down to our house. You know, we need to talk to you. So I went down to the house, and they said, look, uh, we've pulled the deal because the buyer came into the office today um, with a list of all the employees that he was going to let go tomorrow. He just said, look, I'll be honest with you. All I want is the trucks and the customers and the assets. I don't need any of your employees. I'm changing the brand of the business. Um, you know, the old name of the business will, will be no more tomorrow. It's, it's going to get swallowed up into our gigantic, you know, UK operation. And he said, we just can't do the deal. You know, we, we can't go and retire on a beach knowing that, you know, all the, all the 25, 30 years worth of work that we've put into this is going to evaporate just for a big fat check. So we've pulled the deal and they said, you've got to go out and you've got to find a friendlier buyer that's going to buy it. They're going to keep the name. They're going to keep the employees. They're going to run the business exactly as we've envisaged. And I just turned around and, and, and I don't know what came over me, but I just said, I will buy your business. Wow. And they said, really? But, you know, you don't know anything about the transport sector. I said, well, I don't need to know anything about it. You know, I know enough from working with you guys for the last few months. Um, but your, uh, your financial controller, your operations manager, and your salesperson, I'm going to give them each 10% of the company. I will take the other 70% as the owner. Um, I said, I, I think I can get you just under $2 million. I'll, I'll pay you a million dollars down because I can finance the trucks. There was a lot of cash already in the business and there were some other assets that I could leverage and then I'll pay you the rest over five years. This was a really profitable business. And they said to me, you know, if you can get this, if you can get that done in 30 days, then, you know, we will applaud you from the sidelines. And, and we did it. And that was my very, very first deal. Uh, I owned it for about two years. Um, I, I gave equity to other people in the business as well. Uh, we doubled it in size and, and, and we sold it. And, um, you know, the vast majority, the bulk of the market, you know, that's the seller psychology. That That is the way that these people want to do deals. Granted, there are entrepreneurs in there that they, they, they start a business, they grow it, they want to get out, they want to go out for big bucks and, you know, they're not interested in receiving um, the majority of, of their payments over time. You know, that's fine. You know, we filter them out very, very quickly in our funnel. You know, we're only targeting the people that want to do these friendly deals because we're positioning ourselves as these safe, credible, trusted buyers. They're going to look after and, and cherish and honor, you know, the business that they've built, but at the same time, you know, take it to the next level, improve it, put better systems in place, put new marketing funnels in place, and really take the business on to a whole different level. And they're going to sit on the sidelines and they're going to applaud that. 
Now, I did not see that coming. That was a great story. Thanks for sharing it, Carl. Oh, I definitely love that. And now, this is not the point of this masterclass, so I don't want to spend too much time here, but I am just curious because I know Fire Nation, I know that some people are listening, are fired up, and they're, they're looking to potentially you know, run some numbers and see what buying a business would look like. But some people are like, well, wow, Like I'm actually at the point where I might want to sell my business for any number of reasons. Maybe I'm retiring or there's that. So maybe just pretty quickly, give us a couple steps that you would recommend people that are looking to sell their business do um, to maybe start that process? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. So there's, so it's kind of, I have a three-point framework because, you know, don't forget, you know, I, I don't just buy businesses, you know, I grow them and I sell them. You know, the, the biggest payday that you have as a business owner is the day you decide to, you know, to sell the business when you're ready and then finally, you know, get paid for it. So, so the three things that I would do, that the best three pieces of advice I would give to anybody that's contemplating selling a business that they own is first and foremost, decide who you want to sell the business to. So th- there are only three buyers of businesses. There are individuals uh, like like me there are, and all the people that, that I coach and mentor. There are other businesses. So if you own a business right now, you can sell it to another business that's typically going to be larger than you, or you can sell it to an investor. So you can sell it to a venture capital firm or a private equity firm or even a hedge fund if it's big enough. Um, and they're bringing you know, financial resources and other management teams to plug in to help you take that business you know, you know, to the very next level. So that, that's the first determination is you know, who do you want to sell to? You know, Are you the legacy person, the culture person that, that, you know, you want your business and your brand to survive the transaction. You want your employees and your customers, you know, treated properly. If so, sell your business to an individual. It could be somebody that works in the business already, or it could be somebody external to the business, you know, like me or anybody else that you know, that can, you know, take that business, structure that deal, protect it, love it, cherish it, and take it to the next level. If you sell to a trade buyer, then you know there are inherently more risks. Um, they are potentially going to pay you more money because, as I mentioned before, a trade buyer, a competitor, can buy your business and do a lot of things with it. There's a lot of leverage. It can cross-sell its products and services. It can take costs out of the deal you know, to make more profits, to make more cash flows. But that's inherently risky. If as a seller, you're not bothered about those things, you're happy for your brand to disappear, you're happy for your some of your employees to be let go. If you don't worry about all those sorts of things, then selling to a trade buyer, you know, it, it, it's definitely the way to go. So once you've determined who you're going to sell to, then the next thing that you need to do, and this is where most sellers fall down, is they don't properly prepare their business for sale. And what I mean by that is, and, and most brokers are guilty of this. Uh, if you're a seller and you go to a business broker, you know they'll list your business online, and and, and that's all they'll they'll do. You know, I'm I'm negotiating the purchase. This is quite a large deal. It's a twenty five million dollar revenue construction business in in Florida. I'm going out there on Thursday this week, so two days from now to hopefully finalize that deal. And for such a large business that's been around for so long, it doesn't have any of its financial ducks in a row. Its accounting system was a whole bunch of shoeboxes just with receipts and pieces of paper, you know, tapped into it. You know, the, the, the owners of that business or the broker 
or even their, the, you know, their CPAs, you know, have not properly prepared that business for sale. If you're selling your business and a buyer is interested in it, you know, instantly you've got to be giving them, you know, your tax returns. You've got to be giving them copies of your financial accounts. You've got to be giving them your asset register. You've got to be giving them your customer lists. You've got to be giving them your employee lists and copies of all their contracts. So having the kind of administration all tied up in a nice bow that you can give that, like a business in a box, if you will, to a potential buyer, it, it is really, really important. And then the third thing that I see is when most business owners decide in their mind that it's time to sell, before they've pushed the button and they've started you know, contacting potential buyers or, or, or trying to broker a deal, is they take their foot off the gas. And what you see is you see a gradual decline in business performance because they've mentally checked out, they've mentally sold the business. You know, they're sat on the beach, they're drinking margaritas, you know, they're already spending their retirement in their mind. And buyers will take advantage of that. You know, they'll see a slight dip in performance and they'll use that to, ne to negotiate, you know, a lower price and a worse type of, of deal structure. So what, what I always recommend to sellers is before you push the button and you formally list, you know, not only decide who you're selling to, not only get all of your business admin in a row so it's easy for somebody to study it and buy it, but you know, have a have a go, just three months, six months, just grow the business a little bit, you know, put some plans in place. You know, ask yourself, you know, some kind of really big questions like, you know, if if I was 20 years younger and I wanted to have another five years in this business, you know, what are the what are the three things I would do to grow it? And then put those things in place. So then you're proving to a buyer that there's there's all these things going on that they can pick up, take that baton on and, and carry on growing that business, you know, once you've gone and once you've exited. So Fire Nation, you need to decide who you're going to sell your business to. I mean, are you gonna sell to an individual, a business, an investor? And then get those ducks in a row, get those financial ducks in a row, you know, prepare your business for sale. That is so critical. And then don't take your foot off the gas pedal. I mean, your foot should actually be pressed on that gas pedal even more all the way through the finish line. You know, it's kind of like that sprinter who lets up right at the finish line and then he gets past last minute and the gold medal was right there. Don't be that person. Run through the finish line. Now, Carl, you have business buying systems, just like you have that selling system where you kind of start that checklist out. You have buying systems as well. So how did teaching other people help you actually refine your own system that you currently use right now today? This is such a great question. And I'm so glad you asked this because what's really amazing is, so I started my, my deal-making journey in 1992 on Wall Street. So I started working for Bank of America. And I did all these massive deals, and then I went into private equity. Then I ended up working for Hewlett Packard in the corporate mergers and acquisitions team. So I was doing all of these deals and was classically trained, and I did my MBA and all my financial qualifications. So I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a really good deal maker. I, I know how to do this stuff. And then I started doing my own deals, like the transport deal we talked about back in 2008 and a whole bunch of other ones since. It's only in the last couple of years, two to three years, where I built my system. I actually got better at doing deals because when you're coaching somebody, so when you're coaching somebody that's never bought a business before and you're taking them through soup to nuts, A to Z, 
you know, how to do this from start to finish. What, you know, what are the 10 steps? And then what are the 10 steps within each of the 10 steps to get this done, color by numbers? When I broke that down and systematized it with all the templates, the tools, the training for people to really be able to do this, I actually got better at doing deals because I, I further systematized how I was actually working. And, and you know, and I tell this story all the time. You know, I, I'm working on five deals right now, and I'm doing all of those deals using my own system, uh, using my own tools, my own templates, my own processes, because it's the most efficient way, you know, to do it. And I had to do it that way because, you know, you can't just talk about this stuff and, and be very academic about it because unless you've worked on Wall Street or you've got an MBA, you're just not going to be able to do it. But, you know, if you break it down in kind of a simple step-by-step -step process that, that people with just some basic business experience can, can follow, can understand and implement click by click, once I did that in my own business, it actually made me better at doing deals. Fire Nation, I mean, that's why I'm such a big believer in teaching and mentoring and answering people's questions because as you're doing that, you're going to help refine what you do. You're going to get better every single day. Every single time you answer a question, that you remove an obstacle, that you identify a challenge is going to help you as you move forward. So I like to be actionable and we're kind of coming to the end, Carl, of our chat here. So let's really get actionable with some action steps that you have for the first 100 days as a business owner? So we'll start with day one. So you've just left the attorney's office. You've just signed the contract. It's called, it's called an SPA, a sale and purchase agreement. So you're now the legal owner of the business. Uh, any money that was to be paid at closing has just transferred through the system. So the first thing you do is you, know, you go into the business and you're going to meet some of those employees for the very first time. Sometimes you will have met them all as part of the deal. Uh, but if you've bought from a very, very cagey seller, that can be the first time that, that you're going to meet some of those employees. So the first thing I like to do is, is spend some time with them. You know, I figure out, you know, it's the Tony Robbins, you know, C-A-N-I framework. You know, what um, what's worked really well in this business? What should we do a lot more of? And then on the other side, you know, what's going on in the business that's, you know, kind of limiting growth, limiting performance that we need to eradicate. So I figure all that out, you know, very, very quickly. And I make that plan, you know, I make the employees own that as much as possible. So they feel that, you know, they're, you know, they're part owners of the business, maybe not in name, but in terms of the strategic plan going forward. So that's the first thing that I do. The second thing that I then do is I get into the working capital of the business because what I have found hundreds and thousands of times in my 26 years is particularly with baby boomers and older sellers of businesses is, you know, their working capital management, their cash flow management of the business, you know, can be a, an awful lot better. So, you know, I've got lots of tools and frameworks that I use where, you know, we can squeeze, you know, every dollar, you know, out of the existing operation, which provides additional cash flow for us then to go out and start to grow the business, which, which is step number three. So once I've generated my my kind of marketing budget, my fighting fund, you know, to really have a good go um, at the market with this new business, is then I implement, you know, a seven-step plan that I've developed over the last quarter century, you know, to really get businesses firing, 
you know, on all cylinders and looking at lots and lots of other areas of growth. And then what I also then do is I, I quickly systematize that business so that I don't have to be in anymore. Uh, and I limit myself to, to working a maximum of two hours per week on any of the businesses that I'm involved with. I have a simple you know, dashboard uh, KPI chart. So I, I'm looking for certain things in the business on a weekly basis, like sales and cash flow and you know, size of our pipeline, you know, number of new customers, and then, you know, any of the operational metrics that are going on throughout the business. And then I'll spend, you know, a maximum of one hour per week with, with the general manager that I've put in, you know, to run that business for me. I mean, Fire Nation, this is a system that's been developed by Carl, and he's been doing it for now over 26 years. I'm sure he's made some mistakes, but the fact that he's been able to narrow it down to two hours for every business per week. I mean, he knows what his KPIs are. You need to know what your KPIs are. And for me, that's just, it's all about the focus. Like if you can really sit down, you can follow one course until success for those two hours you can really make sure that your business is moving in the right direction. You can do that in a couple hours a week. And guess what? If it is, then you're good to move on to the next step. And if there's some major red flags coming up, well, then maybe it can take some more time. You need to dive deep. You could have some conversations with some key people at those companies to really make sure that you know, you're getting back on track. And Carl, what I love about this chat is that we've learned things from both sides of the equations about you know, what to look for when it comes to buying a business, You know why buying a business isn't always about the numbers, but there's a lot of psychology involved, why it makes sense. But then also on the flip side, the sellers, like if you're going to sell your business at some point, Fire Nation, you need to be doing these steps that Carl's talking about to prepare your business, to get your ducks in a row, to make sure that you are going to be very appealing so that when you when it comes time for you to sell, you have the power, you have the decision to choose the right buyer and not just, you know, go to that highest bidder and potentially see your legacy disappear, which would be really sad. So I really hope that you've learned from both sides of the equation. So Carl, kind of wrap this up for us, like maybe finish off, you know, what we're talking about with these first hundred days and then give us what you would consider one super key takeaway from this masterclass. You really want Fire Nation to make sure that they get, you know, before we say goodbye. And of course, if you have any final calls to actions, ways people that can connect with you, et cetera, let us know for sure. And then we'll let you go. The two biggest takeaways that I want everybody to you know, kind of really embody is, you know, takeaway number one is if, if anyone's got any inkling of going and starting a brand new business and going through that 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 pain and that challenge of, of making it work, it's just so much easier and, and less expensive and far less risky just to go and buy a business that someone else has built. And doesn't want anymore. You know, I'll give you the stats. There were over six million entrepreneurs in the United States in 2017 that went and started a brand new business. 96% of them will fail and close the doors inside of 10 years. Half of them will fail by the end of this year. And there's over 2.4 million businesses for sale in the United States today, and only one in 13 is going to sell. So just connect the dots. Don't start a company, go and buy one that someone else has, has already built. And it's like, let, let's say you wanted a Tesla, you want to own a Tesla car. Would you go and buy the aluminium, the battery? Would you go and buy the wheels, the glass, you know, the giant iPad in the middle? And then would you sit there and build it yourself? Would you go to the Tesla dealership, buy one that someone else has built, and then finance the purchase? 
That's exactly the same thing. So my advice is do the latter, not not the former. And then the second biggest takeaway that I you know would love everybody to really kind of embody is you know buying a one to five million dollar business is a lot more about psychology than the numbers. It's playing that psychological game and it's really giving the seller you know what they want that safe trusted pair of hands that's going to take the business they're going to love it they're going to nurture it they're going to take it to the next level and if you position yourself that way they will applaud you and cheer you and help you all they can from the sidelines easier and safer to buy a business that someone's already built fire nation you know i mean think about that i mean they simply might want to shift their life they might be retired they might be moving on to another opportunity and then that one to five million kind of price range is more about psychology than the numbers think about that and before uh, you kind of tell us where we can learn more about you and give us a call to action carl like just really hammer it down for us how do we do this without actually investing our own cash so when you're buying a business, um, and and you know Facebook do this, you know massive companies do this, you know they're, they're leveraging deals all the time. That the the largest leverage buyout in history was the twenty five billion dollar acquisition of a company called RJR Nabisco back in the late nineteen eighties. You know this was a you know there's there's a film made about this, a great book that I'd recommend people read called Barbarians at the Gate. The guy that bought that business, a guy called Henry Kravis. He bought that business. He didn't spend any of his own money. You know, he used other people's money. So all I'm doing is I'm teaching entrepreneurs how to do that with one to five million dollar deals, not you know twenty five, you know billion dollar deals. But basically, the the, the structure is really really simple. You're you're paying um, in some cases no money down. Uh, you can pay for the business um, over time using the cash flows. So let let's say. You find a business and let's say it's doing two million in revenue and it's making you know three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in free cash flow and you agree to buy that at a three times multiple. So you're paying a million dollars for that deal. Uh, you could just pay the seller two hundred thousand dollars a year for five years. And why that's appealing to some sellers is they're getting the same cash flow that they used to get as the business owner. But they don't have to get up and go to work anymore. They can go play golf. They can go and you know do other things. And and selling a business and getting cash flow that way is a lot more tax efficient than getting paid that money as as income. But that doesn't work on all deals. Um, in other deals, you actually have to pay the seller some of the money at closing, maybe twenty percent or thirty percent or fifty percent, um, and you can leverage the balance sheet of that business to raise financing to be able to make that down payment. And what's also unbelievable in the United States, and I wish we had it over here in England, but we don't, in the United States, you have this great thing called the SBA, the the Small Business Administration, and they have something called the 7A Loan Program. So if you're an entrepreneur and you wanna buy a business, the SBA will provide you with 90, 90% of the financing for you to be able to buy that business. You either get the seller to carry the other 10% as a note, or you can use some of the cash that's already in the business to make that deposit payment. So those are just two simple ways that you would structure you know, these no cash down deals. If you wanna buy a business that's worth a million dollars, you know, absolutely please do not go and put a million dollars of your own money into that <laughs> deal. You just do not have to do that. Fire Nation, 90%, if you're in the United States, SBA loan, that's incredible. And Carl, let's end with a final call to action and then we'll let you go. 
I knew that I'd get asked the question, you know, how can we learn how to do this a little bit more? So what I've actually done is I've created a 90-minute masterclass training where I go through my proprietary 10-step system in detail. It comes with a lot of the tools that we use. Uh, if you go over to ninjaacquisitions.com forward slash fire, you can opt in for that masterclass training. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people have been to that training. They've gone through, they've taken action, and they now own small businesses, and they haven't had to invest any of their own money. So if anyone's interested in how that works, or if you're thinking of selling your business and you want to understand how the deal works psychologically from the buying side, you, know, you can get a lot more insight as to how I do these deals, how I structure them, the sorts of methods that I use, and that would you know, prepare you, I think, even more you know, as a seller. But primarily, it's there for somebody that wants to go out and wants to buy a business, whether it's their first deal or whether it's one of those bolt-on or tuck-in acquisitions that they want to combine with a business that they already own. So that was ninjaacquisitions.com slash fire? That's correct. Fire Nation, that's a 90-minute masterclass training that's going to go even deeper into what we talked about. And I'm guess I'm guessing there's going to be some great visuals, et cetera. So definitely get on over to Ninja acquisitions.com slash fire. And you know this Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and you've been hanging out with CA and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Carl in our search bar and his show notes page is going to pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links galore. And again, last call to action, ninjaacquisitions.com slash fire for that 90-minute masterclass training. Get over there. You owe it to yourself. And Carl, I want to thank you, brother, for sharing your truth and masterclass and knowledge and value bombs with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much. Great to be there. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Carl today. And if you're ready to accomplish that one big goal, the Freedom Journal is key because when you follow the step-by-step -step guidance that I give to you, you will accomplish your top goal in just 100 days. So visit thefreedomjournal.com. Use promo code podcast for a nice little discount and thank you for listening to my podcast. And I will catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, if you don't ever want to worry about your income, you need to have skills that solve a serious problem in the marketplace, like helping businesses acquire more customers. This is a skill that most companies will never learn on their own because they are too focused on the gazillion other things going on in their business. My friend Billy Jean is a master when it comes to acquiring customers and has charged up to $30,000 a month to provide this simple but not easy service. To learn how you can do this too, visit watchbillys.com video.com to access his free training today.